yes, as, as uh, Brother Tom prayed, uh, we have to be prepared. And uh, I came prepared. <laughs> I expected to have my computer running, and I took my old laptop along just to make sure it was going to work because the new one doesn't seem to work with uh, projectors. And that didn't work. But I also took a printer along so that last night I could print out my notes. <laughs> it really helps to be prepared. And that's what this is really all about. Uh, hopefully, that, that message comes through, that, that the idea is about being prepared. Uh, it's not easily understood, I think, for, for most of us, really. Uh, that's what the Bible says about that. Uh, <clears throat> Introduction. Actually, I was going to put there disclaimer. And then I thought, well, introduction sounds a little bit better, but uh, it's really a disclaimer. How did I get into this forum? Uh, let me explain. Things happened, as you know, back in, in spring. We had the tsunami coming in. in in Japan, we had earthquakes, we had all kinds of disasters. Uh, Newsweek had uh, an issue with the title page, Apocalypse Now. And things at work seemed to go uh, worse compared to you know, years and years ago. It's just gradually things just seemed to deteriorate. I came home very tired, uh, and I was... Uh, asked over the dinner table, well, do you have suggestions for the forum? First thing that pops in my mind is, well, end times, <laughs> which uh, was just caused by the news and all the, the things that I heard during the day and, and so on. And I figured maybe some capable person would take this on and uh, present something on end times. And then much, much later, uh, not that long ago, I was told, well, the, the topic was accepted, but nobody could be found or, or whatever. Uh, I, I was volunteered to do it. And uh, so I'm not really an expert on this thing, and I, I really cannot teach you really anything other than what I have researched over the last few weeks and, and read uh, about it. And as I already pointed out, we, we come from uh, events like the, the, the Spring Revolution in the, in the Arab world, uh, which looks like uh, may, may be a threat to, to Israel. Ultimately, we, we see uh, cataclysmic uh, natural things happening that would, in some people's mind, like uh, Newsweek, they think this is what they call apocalyptic or apocalypse now, which tells us they don't know what, what that word means. It means revelation. It's Greek for revelation. Uh, they, they certainly didn't think through that one. It doesn't mean anything about end times necessarily. It's just the re revelation of God. And that's maybe how we ought to really understand it. So I don't really want to uh, speak much about the, the theory of how, you know, about the end times and the various scenarios, because 
uh, quite frankly, I, I studied a lot. I read a, quite a bit about it. And um, I, I can't really tell you anything that you couldn't figure out by yourself on some of these uh, eschatological uh, theories, pre-tribulation rapture, mid-rapture, post-trib rapture, and then you go into millennialism, and you can combine these things, of course, and some of them contradictory, and you can go online, study, uh, study this or buy the books, which I have done as well. You go through all of these things, and every time you think, well, that sounds right. I, I, I can agree with, I can agree with this. And then you go on to the next book, and you read that and say, well, that, that sounds quite rational as well, but it contradicts the, the previous one. And so uh, maybe you can enlighten me on some of these things, but I certainly wouldn't know what the scenarios are at the, at the very end. The only thing I would like to make a point here in this presentation is that, that we are in the end times. And you may disagree with that, and that's fine, because uh, I think, and that's one of the reasons uh, we don't have a panel here. Uh, one, one reason is because I didn't have time to, <laughs> to contact people to find out if there is, could be a panel. But just imagine we would have a panel and we would just go through some of these things here. Everybody would have a different idea. Uh, it would be totally confusing. <laughs> so if I say the only point I want to make about end time scenarios is that we are in the end times. And I spent some time uh, trying to find that in the word of God, not from other people or online. Before I even make that case, I would like to go about prophecy. Um, why is there prophecy? Why, uh, I, I talked to someone uh, in camp here, and, and they said, well, that's, that's great uh, uh, to talk about end times, but personally, I don't really care uh, what's going to happen. It, it, I think it's, it's totally unimportant for the Christian to, to you know, worry about end times and so on. Is it? Why is there prophecy in Scripture? There's a lot of prophecy. When I talk about prophecy right now, I mean, why is the prophetic words in Scripture that tell us about the future? And uh, another thing, uh, last Wednesday I was scheduled from long ago to have a, a Bible class on prophecy, which again, I'm not an expert on uh, either, but I did some research, and one thing I found out, that prophecy has several important uh, reasons to, to be in Scripture. One of them, as you can read here in Isaiah 9, I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all, and I will do all my pleasure. God tells us that no one else can foretell the future. Therefore, his word is true. Therefore, we can have trust and confidence in his word. 
Never mind what, you know, the future. It's only, it's mainly given to us, mainly given to us, so that we know that the rest, the commandments, the, the gospel is true. Because it can also foretell the future that nobody else can. If you, if you have studied at all uh, Islam, for instance, uh, or some of the other religions, even less, Hinduism or Buddhism, there is, no, there is no prophecy there. And if there is, it's wrong. Uh, there's some prophecy in, in, in our culture that's wrong too. We'll get to that yet. But that is really one of the main reasons, I believe. God gives us prophecy to tell us that his word is authentic. We can believe it. And it gives us comfort to know that, that it is. We are not fooled by false prophets, not easily, if we are in tune with that. So that, that much about prophecy, and uh, there is the reason for that, that we have the, the book of Revelations, we have the hundreds of prophecies of Jesus' first coming, that we know we can look back, and I can't go into that, it would take too long, what we did last Wednesday, uh, that several hundred prophecies about his first coming are, came to happen. We know they're true. They cannot be refuted because they're documented very, very well, better than all other uh, secular uh, historical things that we know about 2,000 years ago. And God makes the point with that that his word is true and his second coming that was prophesied as well will be true as well. He will, he will come. He told us so. And I want to make the case for the end times. Uh, personally, I believe that, that we are in the end times. We have been in the end times for a very long time. And you may disagree with that, and that's fine. Uh, I, 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 don't, uh, I don't pretend that I... 100% correct on that. But I just went through Matthew 24. I went through all the scriptures as well and compared it. But I, ju I just pick Matthew 24 in, in order to keep it more concise. And starting with the last two verses of Matthew 23, where it says, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, for I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. In other words, Jesus is speaking there to all the people in the temple, the masses that were there gathered in the temple, including his disciples that were standing by. And then he leaves with his disciples. He leaves, and it says he was going back for the evening, going back to the Mount of Olives in Matthew 24. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things, verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. He's referring to the destruction of the temple, obviously. In the previous two verses, he's referring to his second coming. And it's important to know or, or understand that's what he's pointing out here because we come to the questions then in, in, in the next part of, of uh, 
Matthew 24, disciples ask a question. And it's really three questions in one. When is the destruction of the temple or Jerusalem, which he had mentioned just, just now, as he was pointing out that those stones will come down, and what is the sign of thy coming? When are you coming back? That's what he was telling all the people in the temple before. And what will be the sign of the end, or the end of the age? Three, three questions. And Jesus actually answers these three questions, which really tells us much about the end times, when it starts, at least in my opinion. Uh, I, I can see here, that the end times started A.D. 70, when Titus marched into Jerusalem, or into, around Jerusalem, and after about a year or so, killed a million and a hundred thousand people, according to Josephus, in a massive slaughter, destroyed Jerusalem, and subsequently to that, in the next 50 or, or, or 50 to 100 years, they, the Romans destroyed 70 fortified cities in, in Israel, essentially destroyed the country. It became a desert from there on for a very long time. We read there, and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. The end is not yet. It, uh, to me, this, this sounds like it started way back then. It told the people, don't worry about it. These things have to come. Don't worry about it. It's, it's the beginning, all the, the things, the nations shall rise against nations and so forth. Those are just the beginning of, of problems. But we, we shouldn't think of it as, oh, okay, so the real bad stuff is going to come. No, it just says this is the beginning. In other words, the beginning of the end times which we live in now. Now, you and I uh, probably don't feel like, oh, we are in, in, in very bad times, really. We're, we're doing pretty good, uh, by and large, really. Uh, maybe some Christians right now are not doing all that well. Some in North Korea, uh, some in China, some in in Africa and so forth, uh, they're persecuted. If you get the literature from the various uh, organizations, uh, y you know there is a lot of persecution going on. We don't have that yet, uh, at least. And so we, we kind of think, oh, Revelation is talking about this cataclysmic thing that's going to come, and, and, and maybe we start to worry about it. I don't think when he says that it's just the beginning of sorrows, it really means, no, they start now. But watch, it's going to go on and on and on. And there will be sorrows. There will be wars. There will be uh, all kinds of things happening for, for, for a long time to come. So, you know, live with it, essentially. There's also a passage I, I don't have on here. I don't think I have it on the next slide. Uh, Luke 21:24 is a parallel to that, and they shall fall, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword, 
and shall be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. In other words, there's a time for the Jews or a time before the Gentiles, and there's a time for the Gentiles. And they will be in Jerusalem, and then at that time when they're no longer going to be trotting down Jerusalem, then the time of the Gentiles will be over, and then, this is a sign, then I will come. Okay, so we, we have another sign there. In Daniel 12, 11, and from that time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, and the abomination that make a desolate set up, and I know some, some have other interpretations for this, but I, I re- link it to this verse, this passage, two passages here. There shall be 1,290 days, and you know this is three and a half years. Uh, as uh, I would agree with Vic Schlatter, three and a half years is half of seven, which is the whole time. And it could easily mean it's half the time for the Jews and half the time for the Gentiles. I think, and that verse exactly points to his coming again as well, if you read it in context of, of, of the chapter in, in, in Daniel 12. So at, at least in, in, in my view, it tells us we are in the end time. We might be very close to the end. I'm still going to build the case further um, for the fact that we may not think we are in the end time, but, but we really are. Again, as I mentioned before, many are, uh, are killed uh, for his name's sake. Uh, and then shall many be offended, shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. Well, uh, that we can uh, even experience, uh, even in our circles sometimes. Uh, and the church definitely has experienced that over the last 2,000 years. And we can say that he doesn't speak these verses to the crowd there in the temple or to the Gentiles. He is speaking it to the disciples. He's speaking it to the church. And we can say from those verses that him speaking this to the church when he says, and the love of many shall wax cold. Obviously, it's not the, it's not the pagans out there. They never had love. Their love couldn't grow cold anyway. It's the church. And, well, you could say in the Middle Ages, the love of the church grew cold as well, right? Well, depending how you look at it, if you think in the Middle Ages, the, Rome, the Roman uh, Catholic Church, or maybe the other uh, you know, mainline churches uh, that were there were uh, really totally uh, uh, blasphemous almost, if, if I can put it that way persecuting the real church. Some of you that have read up on some of these things in, uh, from, from uh, the Middle Ages, we know that there was a real church, and the Pope would go with his army and, and try to destroy him. So we know that, yeah, the, the, the love of many uh, would wax cold. Is, it could be a reference to back then. Then why do I think it, it's more related to now? Well, because the church was just smaller. I don't even count the pope that had an army and conquered and 
whatever he did uh, or, or they did, I don't think the Bible would refer to or Jesus would refer to them as the church. The church was there, much smaller, and they had love. They supported each other. If it's going to be true that the love is going to grow cold, it's really now, I think. I don't know how you feel about it, but hopefully not in this group, but overall in, in, in our country. Isn't that, isn't that true? And just look at our society. I'm talking about what is supposedly the church. What do we see? What's happening there? It's, it's, it's a destruction happening in, in, in Christianity as we watch it. I, I could easily see from that the prediction or the sign given to the church, you're, you're coming to the end of the end times. In 1314, verses 13 and 14, as well as, again, I'm, I'm pointing out Daniel 11, uh, we see that we are probably in the end times, you, you may agree or not. Uh, I have a note here. I'm making the case that we have arrived, arrived at the end time, and uh, plus minus n years. I originally had thousand years there with a smiling face behind it, because uh, I really don't know. I, I, I wouldn't want to put a time down. I, I wouldn't know. If somebody knows, great. Uh, we know we don't know the hour and the day, right? We, some, somebody thought May 21st was going to be the day. Now it's, I think it's October 21st. And, and then there's another one next year, December 21st or whatever. Uh, so, so people know that, no, we don't know the hour and the day. Jesus says that clearly. But that doesn't mean we wouldn't be able to catch the signs of his coming. When you look at the prophecies in the Old Testament of Jesus' first coming, several hundred, uh, according to some, 300, according to some, uh, I see at least 150 of his first coming, some of them very, very detailed. You think people uh, just 30, 40 years before Jesus' coming would have read this and says, wow, uh, it's obvious he's coming. Uh, the, the signs were there. Nobody really got it. Well, the three wise men that came, they probably had the literature. They probably had the word of God, the, the prophecies from Daniel. They came. They could recognize it. Uh, others, we know, John the Baptist, obviously, his parents, they knew. Well, there, were, there were precious few that knew. But they didn't know long before they knew when it was happening. And I think same here. We will know if we are in the Word. We will know when it happens. Do we know it's going to be, you know, X years down the road? I, at least I don't think I, I would. But we can know one thing. When it says the gospel is preaching all the world, pointing to the end, and today we can say the sign of the end is close to fulfillment, I think it's hard to argue with that. Um, how many countries are there? where the gospel has not been preached. You say, well, but they're not converted. How many people are there in North Korea that have uh, become Christians? It says that the, the, the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness 
unto all nations. In other words, not necessarily to have them all converted. A witness. I think almost all people today on this globe have heard of the gospel. I think this could be a sign that we're very close to the end. There are other passages that uh, I won't go into uh, for sake of time. Uh, there's actually many more uh, passages than that, that that would indicate pretty much the same uh, case that, 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 that we find in Matthew 24, that we are very close to, to, to that time, very close meaning, according to God's terminology, not to mine. Keep, let's keep that in mind. And uh, <clears throat> now I really want to go on to um, the next one, how should, it, how should we then live? How, what, how does that impact our lives? Knowing that we are, not only in the end times, but at the very end of it. Should, should that make a difference? And I, I talked to some people in camp, and, and you know, they, they would indicate, well, no. It, it shouldn't really. Uh, hopefully, I'm living precisely the way God wants me to live right now. And, and that's true. I, I trust that most of us uh, have been uh, on, on the right path, but it doesn't hurt to be encouraged to turn and to uh, watch maybe carefully our life and to see if maybe God would want us to uh, be moved to higher ground. You know, we sang this wonderful hymn, uh, is it 89 in, in, in a hymnal, uh, Go, Lord, lift me up to higher ground. Well, I know of one, of one man who, who prayed this hymn. He prayed that hymn really seriously. And he got into a, a, a horrible problem he had he, he was uh, a motivational speaker, and he lost his voice, and he couldn't he couldn't figure out why. And much much later, he realized God was lifting him up to higher ground. It doesn't look that way, in, in, you know, initially, but. It's not that we just go up in an elevator when we sing this hymn. It may sound that way, but, you know, we only go to higher ground by going down into a valley first, and then we go up to higher ground. And, and the whole thing about, you know, how should we then live, uh, I personally can only see, really, the, the, the watching of what I do. And so... He's watching us, he's telling us to, to watch not the, the, the exact time that he will come or worry about the development of, of his coming or, or how we could avoid maybe certain events that the world will throw at us. No, I think it's, it's just the opposite. We should have confidence that he will bring the things about that we need in order to grow, in order to, to be... Um, in one passage, you can't, I can't recall exactly where it is, where it says he will uh, sift and, and purify those he loves. 
And if we try to avoid it, we're going to avoid to be lifted up to higher ground. And so the, the watching should be uh, in, introspectively, uh, rather than looking, watching the world, we should watch ourselves. What is he telling us there? One thing that came to mind is when I was reading carefully those passages, and I have to explain this a little bit, he says that going on in Matthew 24, for as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day Noah entered into the ark. And in, in, in Luke, uh, he's talking about um, in the days of Lot, Sodom and Gomorrah. And he doesn't say, if you notice there, he does not say, well, because they were sinners, because uh, they did evil things. That's why you know, sudden destruction came upon them. He's telling them they were eating and drinking. Isn't that what we're doing here in camp? Uh, we're getting in marriage and so forth, doing the normal things that you and I do. What was the problem with it? Well, Obviously, he's making this reference, I don't like to take it totally out of context, he's making this reference to tell them one thing, it's going to come sudden for those who do not watch or, or cannot discern spiritually what's happening, and they're surprised it will be too late. And I think that point uh, is made in camp, usually on Friday, very well, uh, at least it used to be, uh, that you know, Jesus may come suddenly and it will be too late. And it's absolutely true. When Jesus comes the second time, he's not going to come as the suffering Savior. He's going to come as the Lord, and every knee will bow. Whether we bow because he's our Savior or we bow because he's the judge. And so there is a, a warning there that unless we become right with him, we turn to him while there is time. Uh, it's too late. But you know what? These passages also tells us that because they're spoken to the church, they're spoken to his disciples, it's spoken to us. And they say that if we are preoccupied, even as believers, with just the things in this life, and we do, we do not connect it with... Uh, in a spiritual context with God, we will be surprised. In other words, we will go down, really. We may have the, the looks of uh, Christians, but in terms of knowledge of him, we will be lost, and we will be surprised when he comes. The watching is about our, uh, our carefulness in this in this life, how we live and, and how we integrate things uh, in our lives with the Word of God or, or, or see how it matches. Watch for that. There's some verses in Luke uh, where, where he even uh, points out uh, that, that we ought to be careful not to become like the world. Uh, not be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness. Hopefully that, that doesn't apply to our group uh, uh, all that much. But 
uh, we ought to be careful in, in, in our lifestyles uh, in order not to fall in that category. The next one is watch for not walking the talk. And they shall, then shall he say also unto them, on the left hand, depart from me, cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and, the, and his angels. For I was hungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. And you know the passage. We all know the passage in Matthew 25. And, and, and I have there one from the Old Testament, which is an interesting one. Behold, this was the iniquity of the sister Sodom, talking to Israel, talking to Judah. Pride, fullness of bread, abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. Again, these are pointing out the sins in Sodom. And these things could apply to us if we're not careful. Not walking the talk. We, we, we heard that in, in, in uh, Bible class yesterday. It's important to, to look at our lives and, and not, not, not think, well, we, we, we kind of we fit in somehow. We're, we're not too far off. There was, and I, wanna, I don't want to pick uh, on anything, but we, we, we heard a, a, a song by the Mains Choir uh, last night about, you know, going down the road and looking at the left and the right. Uh, I, I think this uh, Pascal, a Christian from the Middle Ages, or, 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 or actually the 18th century, uh, pointed out, no, you cannot look at the left and the right and try to determine to go in the middle because you, don't know, you do not know what the left and the right is. You have to stay in the middle, and when you come a little bit off the middle, then you have to turn to the Lord and repent. And uh, he thinks that... Uh, by trying to, to gauge what is left and right, you can, you can fall away. And I think we might uh, easily go that route if we look at some Christians of how they live and we, we think, well, maybe we, can, maybe we can live like that too. It's what the Spirit puts in your heart, I think, is more important than what somebody else does. Never mind what somebody else does. What, how should you live? And compare that to the Word and allow the Spirit to, to reveal that. We may not um, fall in, into the same trap as they did. Then the, 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 the next thing, and I'll have two slides on that, is watch for fearfulness. In verse 6, there he tells, tells them about the and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars and so forth. And, and we, right away we go, oh, all these wars are going to come. And we, we, we're getting kind of bogged down a little bit, fearful. Uh, that's very what we, we had a good Bible class uh, this, this morning. And, and one of the things were we, we had to uh, um, tell each other what, uh, you know, what, what some of the problems are in our lives and, and some of the, the good things. And, uh, one of the things is I have a tendency of looking at life in a negative, from the negative side. And that's it's destructive. You know, and uh, it's just watch for, for, for that kind of thing. Don't be troubled by these things. They are necessary. Troubles are necessary. That we be not soon be shaken in mind or troubled neither by spirit or by word, nor by letter as from us as the day of Christ is at hand. 
you know, let's welcome Christ. Uh, or think of it right now. If he, if he comes, we, we, can, we can be assured he will receive us if we have lived with that in mind all the time. If, if, we, if that is, is a, daily, uh, a daily thought, how do, how do I live? At, you know, we may be off on the left or on the right, but we can turn back to him. I think uh, Joe uh, pointed out in his sermon uh, the other day. That is the good news in the gospel. And so let's not fear, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love. It may be redundant, but uh, Revelations 2, 10, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation for ten days. Uh, you know, he, he's talking this to, to the church in Smyrna, in, uh, in a letters to the seven churches. It's the one church, uh, one of two churches, he doesn't say repent, except they were still corrections there uh, to be done uh, as well. But he says, fear none of these things because I put them there for you so that you can be refined, that you can be made ready. Uh, and then in, in Revelations 20, at the very end of, of Scripture, he tells us the fearful and unbelieving, he kind of lists them right along with murderers and, and, and adulterers and, and the rest. Isn't that amazing? Fear. I have fear. Uh, of course, when we get a close call, we almost have an accident. Yeah, of course we have fear. That's not the fear he's talking about. Fear of not being right with God. If there's fear in us, if fear in our hearts about the future, about this, those things that may come, and I'm, you know, I, I kind of try to play that down a little bit, but I'm not saying they're not, not much more is going to come. Maybe persecution is going to come. Uh, we should not have fear because it's doubting God's goodness. It's doubting that he can actually uh, no, just miraculously lead us through some of the, the real difficulties in life that may come yet. Uh, and you know what? Uh, <laughs> it, even so, even if, it, if he comes back in a hundred years from now, each one of us is going to die, right? Uh, probably not very nicely, because our wonderful medical one, Tony could uh, uh, lecture us on that, uh, um, science and, 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 uh, can, can extend our lives and our misery uh, very, very long. <laughs> You don't have the chance anymore to die the nice way like they used to. Uh, no, I, I think we, we, can, we can look forward to God to lead us through tribulations, whether they are in a hospital or whether they are in a cataclysmic events to come. or, or, or doesn't really matter. It's going to happen no matter what. So have confidence. I just have one more point. That, uh, that actually, uh, I need to I need to go back on that. Uh, 
did, did I not advance to, to, to what I was going to say? I guess not. I was, somebody should have corrected me. I was talking about revelations, and, and, and I didn't have the, the slide on. The watching for the deception. Um, never mind the, the herald campings of, of you know, May 21st and all these things. The, 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 the media picks this up, makes a big thing out of it to scare people that sells, that sells uh, commercials, of course. Uh, you know, we, we shouldn't be really uh, even wondering about it. That's what the media does, and that's what they do very well. Uh, but what we need to watch for is the deception in our society. And, and you know, a number of things that um, uh, we could read in Revelations, and that's, that's strictly interpretation that is up to you. But when, when I read... You know, the mark of the beast. What is the mark of the beast? You know, we talk about the number 666. Well, what is the number 6 in, in Scripture? In Hebrew, it's, it's the number of man. And 666, it's a trinity. Is there a trinity of man today? Has it ever been before? You had... You had all kinds of pagan religions. You still have maybe even more pagan religions today that people have ascended to, from Buddhism to Hinduism to, to, to all these things. Uh, Islam taking a very large part of it. We have all these things, uh, maybe false prophets you could call them. But what about the trinity of man, as I would call it? You know, are we to wait for an antichrist with a number 666 on his forehead or something? Maybe. I'm not saying not. But uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on it. Uh, Jesus may just come suddenly without anybody like that appearing because when I read this carefully, to me this sounds like our society today. The godless man. The man that says, you know what? We can control everything. With science, we, we, we can extend life. Eventually, you don't even have to die anymore. We, we can extend life. We can control global warming. We can do just about everything. That's God like type of, a, uh, or, or a savior type of, of an attitude. We are, we are the savior. But we also are God. Some claim they are God. As a matter of fact, some people will actually declare that. They are God. We think it because we say, Nietzsche said 100 years ago, which led ultimately, or 100 years ago, longer than that, which ultimately led to, to the Nazi rising, to the theories of the Nazis, that God is dead. And so who is God then? We are God. So we have God, we, have, we are the Savior, and existentialism comes 50 years ago, and gives us these, the ideas that we actually can make purpose in our lives. We can actually give us purpose. So we do all three things. We have come totally self-sufficient. We don't need a God. We don't need a Savior. Isn't that what that verse could say? 
it's, it's the man of perdition. It's like, like someone who, who may uh, assume, like uh, Judas did, that the son of perdition, that, uh, well, Jesus is, is um, maybe not really that powerful, and, and I'm just, uh, just going to take the easy way out. But if we are focused to what the Word says, we're not going to be deceived by, by any of that. And, and we think, what about the lifestyles that we, that we slowly, slowly accept? Like divorce. Apparently in churches across the country, a divorce is just about the same as in the rest of the, of, of the pagans around us. Well, slowly it comes into our church. Is that acceptable? Eventually you think, well, maybe it is. Or oh, maybe it, it, it can't be done any other way. And, and that goes with many other things. When the word is very clear on these things, that if we go that route, we will not be the ones that watch and understand when he comes. And we'll be surprised whether we were baptized at one point or another. doesn't really matter so much. It will be important that we hear his voice, that we are in his presence. Watch. Uh, just in closing, repent, turn to the Lord. Then watch that we are not deceived. Or if we fall, go back. Go back to the, to the Lord. And finally, continually press towards the mark, the price of the high calling in God Christ. Philippians 3, verses 10, 11, and 12, as a matter of fact, all the way down to 14, are... Uh, Paul's uh, response to some who, who, who uh, were claiming, well, he wasn't really uh, um, the, the apostle that they were looking for. And he says, you know what? I did more than anybody else. But all of these things, all the work I did for the kingdom of God, I, I consider as essentially useless except for the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Knowing him is ought to be our aim, and that will uh, really settle all the other things that we, that we try to understand in Scripture. And with that, I, I kind of uh, want to close my part of it. We've started late, and sorry, we, we don't really have much time here left. I would like to ask uh, if any of you would have some uh, other insights into um, what we should watch for or how we should live. Because I'm, I certainly could not tell you anything specifically. Uh, my life is not, is not uh, I can't put it up there and say, okay, you follow this. I mean, there's, there's a lot of um, uh, detours I had to make. Um, so if if you would have a, we have a microphone somewhere.
Um, I think your, your, your presentation, uh, you're very right. I mean, we can get so caught up on when the rapture is going to come, and there's so many different interpretations of revelations and the prophecies. Um, and sometimes what we do is we even tend to not even go into revelation because it just really, it, it could get very confusing, and you can become very dogmatic on when the rapture is. Uh, but what is interesting, and, um, you know, if you read the first chapter of Revelation, chapter 3, it says, Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. There is a blessing reading Revelation. There's a promise here that if we do re- read it and keep those prophecies, that there's a blessing. That's the first chapter. But the last chapter of Revelation says that is also a warning as well. And that warning is, if any man take... If any man shall take away from the words of this book or of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life. And the way I look at it is, um, I guess you're right. When, when we read this, um, we all have interpretations of maybe when the rapture is or even if there will be a rapture. Um, I guess we can't be so dogmatic and we just got to be led by the spirit of um, what we read here. And the fact of the matter is that Christ, like you said, doesn't even know when he's going to return. Uh, and if, he, if we did know when he's going to return, I think our lives would probably be a lot different because we would probably live the way we want to live until you know, a few weeks before he comes. It may not happen in my lifetime, but uh, there's, you know, this uh, cashless society. Uh, there's already cases, I think it's a high school in Oregon, where the kids for, to pay for lunch, they have a chip. Uh, injected in their hand, and they just wave over the thing when they buy the stuff, and, and that's how we, how they pay, you know. And and with with the, like the homeland security and all this thing, you know, there's uh, people in government pushing for that everybody gets this this ID chip. Uh, you know, it's easy to identify a person, and then you know, and that's how you get paid. You know, it gets automatically your pay goes into an account. Uh, you know, it's these are things that's going to happen, and that's going to be the the beginning of the end. When we first had children, I used to CNN had just started, and cable, and watch TV and the news 24 hours a day, and freak myself. Why did I have children? What is going on? This world's going to end. And, and I, it just, it consumed me. And I had a cousin come and visit, and they don't have a television. He says, stop watching TV. Just stop watching. And the other perspective, I, which was great advice, and I did. And for those of us that are afraid of hearing what about the church and hearing about things that are going to happen that may, that may consume us. Um, Jim brought it into perspective. He just said, the world ends for someone every day. It's the end of the world. It was the end of the world for Japan, for those people in Japan because of the tsunami. One of us could cross this street and hit by a car. That would be the end of the world for us. So it really brought it into perspective every day. The end is facing us. We don't. So, if, if things like that scare you, and I have friends that won't come to a forum like this, they don't want to hear about it. But if you just let them know, and, and we believe that Christ could come any moment, it should be a glorious thing. And, and 
end is constantly facing us. So, so we ought to be about his business. Trying to make this quick, I, I had an experience here at camp, and 
I just wanted to share it. I've studied this subject many years and uh, agree with the sister. You know, the Bible says we should comfort one another with these words in his second coming. Uh, but this year at camp, I, I sat with a fellow that obviously didn't look like he was from our church, and I asked what his name was, and he said Muhammad, and I was pretty much sure that he wasn't from our circle. And um, I, so I, I asked him, I said, uh, so what, uh, you know, what is your religion? What's your faith? And he says Muslim. And uh, I thought that was interesting. So where are you from? And he's from Syria. He's here on a 10 months. He has 10 months more to go. He's in a master's program. He's here for the EMU conflict resolution. And I'm almost really afraid to say exactly <laughs> what his plans are when he goes back. But he taught, his wife is, is, is in Syria, and he had a tremendous perspective of what's happening in the Middle East. And I guess I was taken back because the very first thing he asked me was, do you believe in the rapture? And, uh, of course, I, I've studied this, and I knew a lot of verses, and, I, and he wanted to know what, he, what I believe is going to happen to Israel. I was almost a little nervous to say that, but we we shared a lot of verses together, and he says, I want to talk with you more. And he says, people don't understand the Shiite Muslim. We believe Jesus is coming too. I mean, I really was taken back, and I said, we need to talk more, and he, he took my email address, and we're going to start communicating. I I think the point here is, we don't know at what Time, the Bible says we should be ready to give an answer to every man that asketh a reason of the hope that is in us. Those who spent the time and knowledge to understand his first coming were blessed by seeing his coming. We need to be ready. We live in times, I think, we underestimate our influence and our opportunities. There's still... Often when we um, talk about the end, we make the unwarranted assumption that it's simply an event. But John saw it as a person because Jesus Christ says, I am the first and the last. Secondly, when we interpret the book of Revelation, it is a book like we should interpret just as the book of Romans. Paul wasn't trying to confuse his audience, or John was not trying to confuse his audience. And so he wants his audience to understand. And so we need to understand the, histor- the history of that time, we need to understand what the early church was going through because the book of Revelation is essentially an epistle to the seven churches. And so it shouldn't be interpreted as, you know, whether it's... Um, because when he starts out the book of Revelation, he says that these things shall happen soon. And so um, the book of Revelation is something that is a constant recurring event um, that, that can be seen in the time of Nero, that can be seen in, in any um, time when a government tries to usurp the authority of God. And when we, when, we, when we see in the book of Revelation towards the end when, this, when the kingdoms of this world are the kingdoms of his Christ, um, we, see what, we see the powers of, of the beasts, and then we see a son of man like in Daniel. And the son of man comes to restore the dignity to man himself. And so that's what the book of Revelation is essentially about, how God is is accomplishing his purpose through the agent of Jesus Christ who is able to, un, who is able to break the seals of that scroll of destiny and fulfill the purpose of God, and, and, and therefore um, asserting the sovereignty of God over this world. Um, 
and secondly, we should, we should be constantly talking about these things because John says that we, we're not going to know how we're going to appear when he comes, but we shall see him like he is. And everyone that has this hope purifies himself. So this is a, this is a purifying hope. And, um, I mean, the same reason why Paul wrote Romans 18, um, Romans 8, 18 through 25. So it, it is a hope that, um, that, it, that is imparted to the believer um, that is very unique to, to the Christian um, apart from Buddhism or Hinduism. But those are just some of the comments I wanted to make. Presentation um, about it says here um, tomorrow we'll continue with doctrines of the remnant, and I kind of made a little note here. Are we recognizing if we live with a watered-down faith and have false hope that we will make it, I guess, into the ark before it's too late? Do we really recognize it? 